0: Welcome to The Good Divorce Show, where we can help you learn how to navigate the journey of divorce with less conflict, less debt, and equip you not to just get divorced, but also learn how to be divorced. Your host, certified divorce coach Karen McNenny, shares her wealth of knowledge, gets advice from other relationship experts, and interviews couples who learn how to have a good divorce so you can too. Now here's your host,
1: Karen. Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining me this week on The Good Divorce Show. I am Karen McNenny your good divorce coach, and we bring you every week new information on how to find your path to your own good divorce. And today we are speaking with Stacey Francis. She is the president and CEO of Francis Financial. This is a fee-only boutique wealth management, financial planning, and divorce financial planning firm dedicated to providing ongoing comprehensive advice for successful individuals, couples, and women in transition, such as divorce or widowhood. She is also a certified financial planner, a certified divorce financial analyst, and a certified estate and trust specialist. That is the CFP, CDFA, and CES. And we're going to hear a little bit more about how those credentials can help us. And she has spent more than 20 years in the financial industry building this expertise. Her leadership has led Francis Financial to receive recognitions such as Forbes' top women wealth advisors and USA Today's best financial advisory firms. The firm, featured prominently in the press over 100 times a year, it garners industry appreciation through numerous awards annually. Stacy is also the founder of the nonprofit Savvy Ladies, host of the Financial Ever After podcast and the author of the white paper, Unveiling the Unspoken Truth?, The Financial Challenges Women Face During and After Divorce, and Financial Help for Widows, A Complete Resource Guide. Please welcome to the show, Stacey Francis. Hello.
2: Thank you. I'm very excited to be here.
1: And you are one of those financial gurus by accident, (laughs) at least initially. And you have a very compelling personal story that brought you into this work and specifically supporting women. Um, However, we want to remind all of our listeners that the advice that we're giving today is applicable to everyone, regardless of your gender identity, regardless of the nature of your couplehood. Finances are going to be in the middle of it. And you saw this played out in your own childhood. Tell us more about that journey.
2: I grew up um, never expecting to, to go into finance, um, let alone to become a certified divorce financial analyst. I'm not sure how many little boys or little girls <laughs> go around saying that's what they want to do when they grow up. But I realized uh, as I grew up seeing my grandmother um, who was trapped in a, a marriage, a very unhealthy marriage, it was actually financially abusive as well as physically abusive seeing that taught me how important it is for individuals to 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 be empowered around their finances and seeing her suffer um really changed who who i was and changed what i i realized i i needed to do for the rest of my life um and so i ended up going into the financial field, I created a beautiful charity in her honor called Savvy Ladies that I know we'll talk a little bit more about um, really providing free financial education and resources uh, so that you know, everyone can, can, can invest in themselves and make sure that you have all the information you need to, to be able to have a, a wonderful, secure financial future
1: beautiful and and i'm sorry that your grandmother and many women honestly of that generation had a similar story and we look at this as a gendered story of time gone by when women weren't in the workforce as often and men really were managing the finances of the house and were bringing the income we know that that's different now and there may be an, an imbalance in your own home as you hear this listeners we want you to consider what do i need to do where do i even start as divorce is beginning to swirl around the household conversation and it swirls a lot longer than usually we think it will or that it should and then eventually we arrive at how do we do this and i'd like a little education for our listener stacy about some of the designations that you hold and the differentiation between a CDFA and a CDFP and um, and estate planning and how we should be searching and asking the right questions to know we end up with the right financial partners.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that question. I want to give everyone a great resource. If you go to the FINRA website, F-I-N-R-A, they have a fantastic uh, roster of every single financial designation out there. What it is, what the schooling requirements are, um, because some of them, uh, you, you know, Karen, you could get, and um, if you you did a little bit of work this afternoon, you, you'd have the diploma by this this evening. So um, you know, some <laughs> some mean more than than others. Um, when you're looking to find an advisor to help you through your divorce, the first thing you're going to look for is a certified financial planner. That is someone that has um, Essentially, gotten one of the hardest designations, most comprehensive uh, designations that uh, understand everything about cash flow management, debt management, investing, savings, retirement planning, estate planning, taxation. Um, Very important, and it it takes a good couple years to be able to get that. Um, The Certified Divorce Financial Analyst designation, um, I I found it really quite easy to get. It's um, a important designation. It is essentially helping that financial advisor to uh, be able to advise on different areas in the divorce process. So everything from what is the best division of assets, uh, the tax structuring of it, um, You know which assets are most uh, lucrative to someone from a you know, liquid versus non-liquid, which assets have higher growth projections versus others, um, helping, you know, calculate what's, you know, premarital assets that were brought to the marriage or inheritance assets that wouldn't be considered necessarily for division versus marital assets. Um, Even helping understanding how can you split retirement assets um, as well as employee compensation Um, Assets such as restricted stock options, restricted stock units, deferred compensation, um, very important. But what I would say about a CDFA is that my belief is that once you get that designation, it's like you've graduated kindergarten. Um, It's wonderful. Uh, You've got a lot of information, but I've been working in this area I've been working in finance with my company for 20 years, but really specializing for the last 18 in this area. And I will tell you, Karen, there is not one day that goes by that I'm not learning something new. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when you are out there interviewing people, look for those designations. You need a CFP, you need a CDFA, minimum. But the other question is, how long have you been practicing? How many cases... Studies show that the typical CDFA works on two cases a year. That's not enough. Mm -mm. Um, You want to be working with someone who's working on 10, 20, 30 cases a year because they then have all of that beautiful insight from that experience of then being able to advise you in the best way.
1: As I hear you talk through these places of consideration and investments that my head starts to swirl. And I think there's such an emotional overwhelm that comes with divorce. And then we're trying to make these financial decisions and it it just ignites that part of our brain that feels like there's scarcity and there's not going to be enough. And what am I going to end up with? How do you help navigate or what advice would you give to our listeners in terms of managing that emotional weight as you move through a complicated process?
2: There's nothing easy about divorce, even the most amicable uh, relationships. For the vast majority of clients that we work with is they, they typically were not in the driver's seat of the finances. And so starting the divorce process can be, it can be really overwhelming um, because they're finding themselves in a situation where they kind of have to catch up. You know, get your team in order, right? Get, get the right support. If you have a financial advisor, lean on them. That's what they're there for. If you don't have an advisor, now I think would be a good option to, to interview people. And what you want to do is, is start to To get really friendly with your finances. And I I liken it to um, going to the gym and working out for that fitness, health, and and building those muscles. Well, this is what we need to do. We need to go to the gym and exercise our financial muscles. And how we do that is by starting to create that full list of assets and, and liabilities. Um, in the book that I wrote, um, the, uh, the unveiling the unspoken truth, there are wonderful uh, charts that you can fill out that have the list of every asset you might possibly own, so that you don't forget every anything. And and we're talking about, of course, checking accounts, savings accounts retirement accounts, non-retirement accounts. Some people even have cryptocurrency, real estate assets. They might have commercial real estate, rental properties at work. They might have employee stock options or you know restricted stock units. These are all really important things so that you can have just an unbelievably clear picture of where do I stand today? Where do I stand today? And that's something that you're going to have to do as part of discovery
0: in the process
2: anyway.
1: And often this is the first step. It's financial discovery. It's getting all those financial ducks in a row and it can be a tedious task, but it's not forever. You just got to do it. Can you give us the name of the book again? And, And so that people can move towards that resource um, as they're searching online.
2: Yeah. So it's um, I have a picture right here unveiling the unspoken truth, the financial challenges during and after divorce. You can go right to our website at www.francisfinancial.com and you can download it electronically. So Wonderful. it's a great, again, a great resource and it has everything from those asset uh, sheets to the liability sheets. Um, and then the other piece is is also getting a handle on your spending. That is a number two thing that you need to do. You you can't plan for your financial future. You can't understand what you can afford to pay in child support or spousal support. You can't understand what you need in the form of child support or spousal support unless you know what that income is and you know what the actual spending and expenses are. The worksheet that we have in here is also very special because what it does is it also splits out expenses for children. And there are certain expenses that child support does cover for children, but there are others that are called add-ons that are not necessarily meant to be covered by child support that are discussed and negotiated separately. And those are those usually those big ticket items, Karen. It's private school. It's tutoring. Bless. I took my daughter to the orthodontist and we're getting her appliance taken out. We are so excited, but guess what we found out? Now she has to have braces. Um, you know, so that's, you know, that's, that's another, an add on that in an Montana. Ad-
1: it's the annual s- ski pass. So th- <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It's just like, and they don't, they don't stop. So um, it's beautifully broken out so that you can list all of those items and you know, I, I know Karen. Doing this work may not be as fun as a trip to the spa or you know the World Series. Let's be let's be honest. But this is something that you need to do. Um, maybe only once, right? But the more the more specific and the more accurate you are, the better you're going to be long term. And right. and and I have a really good um, gut check to see if you're doing a good enough job. Once you fill out that form, go back and take a look. How many zeros and fives did you put at the end of those numbers for your expenses? If you see a lot of zeros and fives, you know that you haven't done a good enough job because you haven't been specific enough. So that is oh. always. So when I when I get one of those and I see they're all ending in zeros or just you know or fives, I'm like, you didn't actually check your real spending. Um, we need to go back and dive a little bit more.
1: Yes. And we've had a couple financial coaches on the show who specifically help people just with their budgeting. Yes, and that doesn't mean great. have a budget. It means how do you live within that budget? And it is tracking just like when we are committed to changing our physical health through calorie counting, we need to change our financial health through fiscal counting. I have found that couples sometimes underestimate the financial shift that comes with divorce. There will be less. You're dividing households, you're duplicating expenses, and you're moving from often a two-income to a one-income household, which is why the budgeting is so essential heading into this process and for people to right-size their expectations. Yes. We typically
2: see... It depends, of course, on each situation, but on average, um, we expect that there's up to about a 30% decline in standard of living after divorce. And it can be a really tough pill to swallow, um, or, you know, have the loss of your marriage, even if that was something that you initiated, um, you have the loss of what you thought your future was going to be, right? What you thought your retirement um, might look like with this person, and then you have another loss of, well, a loss of their standard of living and having to cut back. And so, Karen, it can be, um, it can be very difficult for for individuals to to face that reality. But I will say that there's not one person that we've worked with who, after we've journeyed through divorce and there's been a few years, that don't, doesn't look back and, and really are thankful for the fact that they did decide to separate and find themselves in a position where they have a much happier, much more fulfilled life. And, you know, money's important right? Financial security, I'm the first one to say how important that is. But these amazing people um, also have happiness that money can't really buy. It's, it's happiness in being able to, to create the life that they want and to be able to you know, start to recover from, from some of the sadness maybe that, that they had in, in their their marriage.
1: In their marriage. That's right. We're trying to release people into a better version of themselves and their life. We, the the myth of divorce is going to make things worse is just wrong. That you know, part of the reason we get divorced is to improve the relationship because it's not healthy, and that is a significant paradigm shift that we always like to really highlight here. At The Good Divorce Show. We talk about good and bad marriages and only bad divorces, but there can be good divorces with a team guiding you towards the best version of yourself and a lifestyle that is right-sized to your budget. When we get back from our break, we're going to continue our conversation with Stacey Francis, president and CEO of Francis Financial, and learn a few more tips on how to prepare and move through the financial decision-making of your own good divorce. Stay tuned.
3: Are you thinking about getting divorced? Before you call a lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach, Karen McNenny, a certified divorce counselor, co-parenting specialist, and mediator. Karen's signature Good Divorce Experience will guide you through your divorce journey from the day you make that difficult decision to the day the decree is signed, all for a predictable fee. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to get divorced and be divorced with less conflict and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNenny. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen.
1: Thanks for staying with me today. I'm Karen, your Good Divorce Coach, helping you find the resources and tools To move through your divorce process differently by design, not by default. It does not have to be destructive. And here to give us some really valuable expert advice is Stacey Francis, President and CEO of Francis Financial. She is a CFP, a CDFA, a CES, over 20 years of experience in the financial industry. Welcome back to the show, Stacey. Thank you,
2: Karen. I'm excited to continue our conversation.
1: Well, there is a common mistake made when people begin their divorce journey. And sometimes there is someone who's like, I'm just going to take that inheritance and tuck it away because you know what? That doesn't even belong to them. And that's how it's going to be. Or, oh, here's this little cash that I've been s- stuffing into my sock drawer for years. And and that we begin to withhold information during the discovery process Tell us the consequences of this and why yeah. it does not serve us in the long run.
2: Boy, I have I have a lot of thoughts uh, about this, Karen. Um, I see it, I see it regularly, and it's interesting. Most typically, see it from um, not my client, but the the spouse. Although I have had clients, you know, show me this check that is a severance check for $100,000 and say, do I really have to disclose this? And the answer is, yes, it is. And guess what? It's going on your tax return. So it is going to be discoverable. You know, Ultimately, the vast majority of assets that you have, they have a paper trail. And that paper trail is many different things. Um, the vast majority are going to show up on your tax return. It's really not good to withhold that information, because quite frankly, it's going to be found out. And I will tell you that judges really do not respect people who are essentially withholding information. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, what does that that say about your character? right? Right? What does that say about your character? And whether it's Cryptocurrency, or stock options, or you know, deferred compensation, um, you know, checking accounts, savings accounts, brokerage accounts, even retirement accounts—all those can be found. And the thing is, is that if you do really want to play hardball and not disclose them, what's going to happen is that your spouse is going to have to hire a very expensive person, and that is called a forensic accountant. And they will have to do a huge amount of work, upwards of tens. I've even seen hundreds of thousands of dollars in fees to find all the assets. And guess what? Guess who has to pay for that? Most likely the person who's doing the naughtiness. That's so right.
1: if you're hiding and you get found, the bill is yours.
2: The bill is yours. And um, it doesn't set you up for a good relationship with your former spouse. And especially if you have children, you have these children, you are co parents for the rest of your life. You know, I, I have to tell you, I've, I've had so many cases where someone feels like they're being smart. And you know what? We find it, and mm. then they look like a real jerk. not only in front of their spouse, their attorney breaks the trust of their attorney, um, but the judge as well.
1: That's right. And I'm in Montana. Stacy is in New York City as we chat today. And I'm not inclined to give any legal advice, but it is my understanding that even in Montana, if it is discovered, then that asset, is no longer split 50/50 or whatever the agreement. The entire asset goes to the spouse that you were hiding it from.
2: So that's really good that you brought that up because um, that is a conversation you have to have with your lawyer. Different states are different. New York, I wish we were that that generous, but we're not. <laughs> um, and so yes, you do want to have that conversation of, you know, what is the actual asset split based on? Um, this asset that has been discovered. Um, I had a client, her spouse uh, was not disclosing assets. We were able to find them. Um, the judge got so frustrated with this, this person that he awarded to our client hundred percent of them. Um, but yep. it was, it was again, the judge, judge doing that. It, it It doesn't pay and they pretty much all of them will, will be found.
1: That's right. I had a, wise mentor in my life that always said, well, just speak the truth. Everyone knows it anyway. And if they don't yet, they're going to. And that's certainly in the good divorce experience, we are trying to always encourage transparency and good financial stability for both spouses as they move into their next life. Now, another place where people get it wrong as they start looking at the division of assets is just these assets have different Tax treatments, and over time, like the long time horizon, retirement accounts, how things are taxed, those implications, most of us are not going to appreciate or understand. What do we need to know, Stacy?
2: There's a lot of pieces to this, Karen, and for us, it's a huge part of our, our job. Um, you know, after you've created that, what we'll call a net worth statement, all the list of the assets and and all the liabilities. When it comes to the assets, there are four things you need to think about as you review each one and whether or not it's appropriate for you to go to your column in the settlement agreement. The first one is, what is the risk of this asset? We tend to work on a lot of high asset divorces where there is private equity, hedge funds, very risky assets. Um, If you are going to need to live on your portfolio and get a paycheck from your portfolio, that may not be the best asset for you. Number two, looking at the liquidity of that asset. Can I use that to pay my bills? In the form of a hedge fund and private equity, vast majority, the answer is no, right? So maybe you need to think about, you know, is there a taxable brokerage account? Is there, um, you know, how much do we have in in CDs or bonds or checking and savings accounts. So second thing to think about is liquidity. The third thing is growth potential. Looking at that asset, what is the growth potential? And is that uh, something that's gonna help me achieve my long-term goals? And when I say that, often we're making the conversation, having a conversation about, well, if you have three homes, not all of our clients do, but let's just say that, what is the growth potential of the house that you have in Lake Tahoe versus the growth potential of the value of that investment portfolio? You know, it could be that the Lake Tahoe house is a better investment depending on the real estate situation, um, but it may not. And so looking at that. And then the fourth thing is the tax DNA, exactly what you talked about. All of the numbers that you see on your statement of net worth, even if every single asset was valued the same, let's say $100, each one after tax would be valued differently. And so understanding that a dollar in a checking and a savings account is really worth a dollar, but a dollar in a 401k, an IRA, a traditional IRA after taxes might only be worth 60 cents. But a dollar in a Roth IRA is worth a dollar because you can take it out without paying taxes. And even within brokerage accounts, um, sometimes we'll see people with uh, a a taxable non retirement brokerage account at E Trade and then another one at Vanguard. And, you know, one's $100,000, the other one's $100,000. And they'll say, okay, you take the Vanguard, I take the E Trade, not realizing that e trade that that he is taking was invested 20 years ago and it was invested for $20 20,000 now worth $100,000 there's $80,000 in gains that he's going to have to pay taxes on when he mm-hmm. sells it whereas that vanguard account maybe it was just invested a month ago that $100,000 has no gains that you're going to have to worry about paying taxes on So a lot of pieces. So when you're talking to your financial advisor, your lawyer, each of those assets, again, look from the perspective of what is the risk of this asset? Is it appropriate for me now as a single person? Number two, what is the liquidity? Is this something I can use to pay my bills? Or is it locked up in a retirement plan till I'm age 59 and a half? What is the risk? Also what the tax DNA is. So all these things are, are really important as you're, you're thinking about that full picture.
1: Mm-hmm. Boy, more than meets the eye, that's for sure. And the importance of have, uh, having expertise such as Stacy on board can be so valuable. I'm curious about couples where there's a business between yes. them. Yes. They co-own the business or maybe one partner runs a business. Maybe the business has value. Maybe the business is a startup and doesn't have much value or it only has debt. And how we treat debt, gain, future earnings, et cetera, and untangling when there's not just a household and children and a savings account, but now we also have a business. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And there's a lot within the business. so typically when there is a business, uh, the first thing, the first step is getting it valued. And a lot of people are, are loath to value a business, but I have to tell you, it doesn't have to be that expensive. Right now I'm getting my business valued, um, not because I'm you know, going through divorce, but because I'm starting to bring on um, succession planning and have some of my advisors buy in. It's very exciting.
1: Good for you. Um, yes. But I'm,
2: I'm spending $8,000. Yes, that's a lot of money, but for, for most business owners, that's nothing compared to the value of their business. Really, I, the first thing I would say is that for the vast majority of people, they should be getting evaluation done on their business during this process. Um, the second thing is untangling personal expenses from business expenses. Mm. Every business owner I know, Karen, runs personal expenses through the business. <laughs> maybe it's the car lease. Maybe it's eating out. The Wi-Fi, maybe, the cell yeah, phone, all those pieces, right? Mm-hmm. And that's important for the purposes of going forward because if there's someone who um, is no longer going to be involved in the business and has to sustain those expenses on their own, that needs to be added back to their budget. Um, And also the other reason why that's important that we'll go into the business valuation, all those personal expenses have to be stripped out for purposes of determining what the real net profit of the business is, because all those expenses reduce the net profit, right? There's less at the end of the year because you have all these personal expenses going through. Um, So that's important. I was speaking to someone today. It's a gray divorce And there's not going to be spousal support because he's 73 and retiring. And I asked, well, what is he retiring from? Well, he's an investment manager. Well, guess what? He has a book of business that he can then sell to another advisor. That's what happens in the Morgan Stanley's, the Merrill Lynch's when people retire. And he will be receiving either a stream of income, significant stream of income, from that, or it's going to be bought out in a lump sum. You wouldn't think of that as a business, right? He's at Morgan Stanley or Merrill Lynch. I'm not sure actually where it is. That book of business is, has, value. Is, has value. And guess what? They hadn't even considered that as a asset. And oh, quite frankly, it's probably valued at about $5 million. So when I say business, think broadly. It's not just the brick and mortar pizza business. It can be someone who's built a practice as a wealth management firm or a CPA at an accounting firm. Um, and, and that's why you want to, again, talk to your your uh, attorney and, and financial person about the entire picture of what the household finances look like so that you don't miss something like that.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. Now, what happens when you have a business that's sitting in debt? How does that get treated? Either someone is going to maintain the business and now they have the exposure of taking on that debt. Does the debt end up on each other's columns and the ledger? Yeah, I'm curious about the complexity of when it's not a million dollars on the table, it's minus a million dollars on the table. Yeah.
2: Well, if if that is the situation and a business is actually, um, you know, has negative cash flow and when you look at the balance sheet and you add the assets and then take away the liabilities, they're they're negative in red, um, I think that that really merits a a pretty important conversation of should this business continue to operate? You know, there's a point when the IRS starts to call things a hobby um, if you have enough losses.
1: Or if it's just a startup, it's, we're just pouring a lot of money and it's not that it's been on life support for 20 years. Let's, I agree as a business coach, let's have that conversation. But if it's a startup that is going to um, carry a fair amount of debt before it starts making future income.
2: Yeah, you would, you would look at that differently. And um, you know, if this is, Typically what happens is if there is a business and a couple's getting divorced and they're both um, business owners, one person typically exits. It's very rare that I've actually ever seen in a healthily operated business or even one that's not being operated well, um, the couple to be able to continue to operate as business owners together. So typically that other person leaves mm-hmm. and um, the person who keeps the business Well, um, there is a business valuation, even if at the end of the balance sheet, it's, it's negative, it could be that that business still has a value, that it could still be sold for a certain value because of brand recognition, because of the contracts that have been issued with dollars to be paid over the next year coming in. So it doesn't mean that there, that there's actually debt that, you know, that, that it's actually a negative asset, it could be that it's still, you know, it still has a value. Um, something that I will say that you do have to be very careful of that people don't think about when it comes to debt are, are any credit cards, anything that has your name on it. And that could be a mortgage, that could be a home equity line of credit, that could be an auto loan, or as I mentioned, credit cards. If in the settlement agreement, it says that your spouse is responsible for paying off that debt and she doesn't pay it off, the institution, the financial institution that issued that debt is still going to come after you. Uh So again, something to know. And so if you've been a business owner, and that's why I say that, if you've been a business owner and there is debt on the business and your name is attached to that debt, and you no longer are going to be part of the business and that your spouse is going to take that asset, then you need to make sure that your name is removed from all of those uh, loans. Same thing with the home, the primary home. Let's say he's gonna take the home. Then she needs to make sure that her name comes off the deed, but her name also has to come off the mortgage. It can create some problems because yeah. you have to refinance and guess That's what we're refinancing right. at very high rates and sometimes the financials of the one person owning the home now are not strong enough to take out as large a mortgage as they currently have so correct you know it can be it can be tough
1: this is what i call the great real estate hostage situation of 2023 and when people cannot move out. And I do have some couples that are amicable and say, well, I'm going to keep my name on that mortgage. So you can keep that mortgage. You're responsible for paying it. It goes into the decree and within five years, we hope rates will go down. Although historically they're not crazy. they just seem really high compared to where we've been. Yeah, yeah So, exactly. and, and I'm aligned with you. I like my couples to get completely disentangled to the best of their ability, because leaving that remnant, particularly when it's financial entanglement can just lead to future hotspots doing damage to the future relationship. And we want to avoid that. Well, I'm having such an interesting conversation with Stacey. I'm losing track of time. We have to take a short break. We are chatting today with President and CEO of Francis Financial, Stacy Francis. And when we get back, we'll look at some specific case studies as we continue to answer your financial questions as you move towards your own good divorce. Stay tuned. <laughs>
3: Are you thinking about getting divorced? Before you call a lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach, Karen McNenney a certified divorce counselor, co-parenting specialist, and mediator. Karen's signature Good Divorce Experience will guide you through your divorce journey, from the day you make that difficult decision to the day the decree is signed, all for a predictable fee. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to get divorced and be divorced with less conflict and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voice
0: welcome back to the good divorce show with karen McNenny. have a question for karen or her guests join us on the show at 866-472-5788 that's 866-472-5788 now back to the show with karen Welcome back. I'm Karen
1: McNenny, your good divorce coach, helping you to find your path towards a divorce you can be proud of, right? It doesn't have to be destructive. It doesn't have to be full of debt. And one of those experts here with us today, Stacey Francis, is helping us find ways to really look at our financials. And her expertise comes from over 20 years of experience in the financial industry as a CFP, a CDFA, a CES, and a wise woman who has not only built this beautiful firm in new york city but also a nonprofit specifically helping other individuals to gain their knowledge base most of us get out of college and we have not learned financial literacy to a degree that's going to support us as adults so folks like stacy are here to point us in the right direction welcome back to the show stacy thank you karen would you start by telling us a little bit about Savvy Ladies and all these other resources that you have available for our listeners?
2: So I hope everyone listening has your pen and paper out um, or even an iPad. Um, go to SavvyLadies.org and Savvy has two Vs. And I say it has, reason it has two Vs is because it's very, very good. Um, <laughs> it has, it, it's a fantastic resource. Um, Organization that is a nonprofit, really focused on um, empowering women, educating, and we have 250 courses on every financial topic you can imagine. They're all self-paced, as well as TED Talk-like videos and live events that air across the United States. Panels as well, and our um, the piece that I'm most proud of is that we have the only financial helpline in the country, where you can go to our website, put in your question, and you are matched with a financial expert that knows everything about your question. And the two of you get to work free of charge via Zoom, via phone, email, whatever works best for you for an hour. Um, it's phenomenal. It's
1: extraordinary. That is it's such extraordinary. a gift. And we'll yeah, be sure all this is in the show notes as well, but I want people to hear about these resources before they Turn the channel on our conversation today, savvy ladies, and not only classes and resources, but this helpline.
2: Yeah, the helpline, and I will tell you by the end of this year, Karen, um, we are on track to match uh, over three thousand women to work free of charge with uh, one of our over two hundred and fifty CFP, CDFA, CPA, you name it, uh, volunteers. Um, So I'm I'm very very proud and and excited about that. So Lots
1: to be proud of there. Great resource.
2: Yeah. So that's Savvy Ladies. I started it when I was 26, um, about 21 years ago. And the year after, 27, I started Francis Financial, which is a wealth management practice where fee-only fiduciaries. Um, I actually started it to pay for the charity, Karen. I realized very quickly a charity can only do as much good work as, quite frankly, um, the dollars they have. And so um, I've been able to really donate big to the charity. And Francis Financial has become a beautiful practice now. Um, There's 18 of us, almost all women, um, which is quite unique in our field. And Mm -hmm. our superpower is working with women thinking about and going through divorce. Um, We actually will testify in court if needed, um, as well as women who their spouse has passed away.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: so um, I am a certified grief recovery coach. And while I don't do coaching, that certification and that training is just, it it really is so important for the work that we do because all of the clients that we're working with are, are dealing with a lot of loss, dealing with grief. And have so many questions around their finances.
1: Um, Oh, I just adore that that is part of the lens that you bring to this work. And not just for those who've lost a spouse, because all of us going through divorce, it is a grief process. It is the death of a family and the death of a future that you were anticipating and that you have to come to terms with. Oh, that's very thoughtful. Now you're located in New York. Is Francis Financial able to support people nationally, only in the state of New York?
2: So we actually are large enough where we are um, regulated by the Securities um, Exchange Commission, SEC. So that means that we can work anywhere in the United States, and we actually have clients um, not only in almost every state, but also around the world. So most practices aren't like that, quite frankly. Karen but because we're so unique in in what we do and 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 the types of clients we work with we find that people are reaching out to us from Washington from you know California and especially in divorce as long as you uh, have a great attorney we don't need to know the law right we are the experts at the financial modeling and we work hand in hand with your lawyer to be able to really model out that settlement and then work with you afterwards to make sure that you're completely on track. And, and another resource I do really want to share is uh, a special project I've, I've worked on for the last six years called Financially Ever After. Mm-hmm. And you'll see hundreds of podcasts. We go live every other week um, you know, talking about the uh, important things that individuals need to think about before, during, and after divorce. And we even interview children of divorce and their experience and lawyers, uh, forensic accountants, therapists, coaches like yourself. It's a, it's a fantastic resource and an easy tune in and listen to learn about some of these um, important topics
1: financially ever after. And I love that you're the money lady, but you are offering so many free resources to our listeners to just help them become more educated. Yeah. And, and you had a client uh, like that, and we'll come back at the end and make sure that you all can find Stacey and her team as well. But I wanted to ask about a client that you had who for a very long period of time was really just controlled financially through her marriage and there were some very significant nuances that came about through the divorce journey. Would you mind unpacking that story for us?
2: I sure will. And and you know, all of our client particulars are, are confidential, so I, I we're going to call her uh, Naomi. Um, but we worked with Naomi, uh, and she came to us. There there were a significant amount of assets. She actually didn't know that at the time um, because she really had been sometimes we say, you know, not in the driver's seat of, of the finances for her. She wasn't even, she wasn't even in the car um, mm-hmm. at all. Her, her husband was at the driver's seat, but she wasn't even really in the car. Wow! So there was a lot of learning for her um, just, you know, what assets were out there, um, what their real expenses were, what is the the income that they have. Her lawyer brought us in because what, she really needed to do is number one, you know, have a a very, very thorough financial education on all these different assets, but also to be able to see based on the settlement agreement that was being offered, if she took that, what would it look like for her financially 5, 10, 20, 30 years out? And It was so helpful because we were able to model that out for her with all of her future expenses, the child support and the spousal support. And um, actually, that first modeling out, that first financial plan, um, it did not work. And we had, unfortunately, in that plan was showing that she was going to run out of money at age 80. And I want to make it clear that you know, her husband, her ex-husband, isn't responsible of getting her out to age 95 financially secure, right? And, and she is, but we did need to understand, like, where does this leave you? How do, how, do we, how do we make sure that you're going to be financially secure? We were able to make some suggestions in having the settlement agreement be changed of taking certain assets over others, in particular... Having more tax advantaged assets, such as checking, savings, brokerage accounts, and having him take more of the retirement assets. The retirement assets, every dollar that came out after paying Uncle Sam was only going to be worth 60 cents. Right. Mm. Every dollar coming out of that checking and savings is worth a dollar. So that was the first thing. Um, And then we also were able to really look at with clear eyes about the real estate, realized that living in the primary home that was, you know, a five bedroom, um, she wasn't gonna be able to afford it. And quite frankly, she agreed that she didn't really need it. In the end, she ended up receiving a lump sum of about $2.1 million, which I know, um, you know, in Montana, you wouldn't have to worry about money for the rest of your life. Um, you could probably make that those dollars go very, very, very far. But for her, living in New York City with New York City expenses for real estate, for food, for travel, for all of that, you know there really definitely was a lot of planning and we had to be very careful with how we invested that money to be able to earn enough to fill that gap. But the great news is that she, is doing wonderfully. She is living her best life. She is learning about all of these different assets, about her portfolio, about her finances, and going from a place of having, uh, you know, no empowerment around money. um, She really is. And she has become just this unbelievably confident, woman and I'm just so, I'm so, I'm so proud of her. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's been such a wonderful partnership of, of us working together. You know, that's just a success story of, you know, we can help make really good decisions during that so important time of deciding what that settlement agreement, what you're going to accept or what you're going to counter offer um, and, and know that that now she's set up for the rest of her life and she's in a really secure, financially secure and and quite frankly, a very happy place.
1: That is a success story. And and I think what is so notable about that story is this idea of like, we ran some different versions. If we did this, this is what it's gonna look like in 10 years and 15 years. And this is where I think people often make the mistake of narrow-mindedness that is too present-focused and not future focused. And doing those calculations are going to help you to identify: is this a settlement that actually does feel what we what we like to call appropriate? Because sometimes fair and equal are not the things, but what is the appropriate? And the time horizon is really the richness that a firm such as Francis Financial can walk through all of those different scenarios. And I say that not just to our listeners who are needing that support, but to also those of you to recognize even Naomi's case, it wasn't so much that, oh, maybe we have a spouse who's trying to do us wrong. It's that we don't have the right information to know how to do it right. And that goes for both parties.
2: Yeah, it's actually been interesting. I've been hired by the spouse who is uh, who is the moneyed spouse to actually work with his wife to show, okay, this is the settlement that's being offered. Let me model this out for you with all your expenses to show you what that looks like. He didn't feel like he needed that work. And actually he was an MBA and, you know, could do this in his sleep as well, but it was interesting. And I have to say, it was the fastest um, divorce process that I've ever been part of in 20 years, it was six months. And again, what was holding her up from saying yes was not understanding, is this going to be enough? Mm -hmm. Am I going to be okay? And when we were able to show that beautiful financial picture that she was going to be in a very, very financially secure position, leaving millions of assets actually to her kids at age 95 that helped her have that peace of mind of saying okay now this i is know. the right now i know and and i can say yes to this i feel good about this
0: and um,
1: both parties are deserving of having full understanding and chances are you're not starting in the same place yeah uh, very rarely yeah. and so having the patience to bring your spouse along can just add to that good divorce experience so that there are not lingering questions
2: Yeah. And and I will tell you their relationship, I was so impressed because he really was very worried about Mm, her. I mean, yes, the marriage was not going to last, but because she hadn't been part of the finances, just, it was so impressive to me to see that caring and to see the two of them work together. It was, it was really heartwarming. It really Mm. was.
1: And I'm sure it still feels rare but people like Stacy and myself and a growing group of collaborative and cooperative divorce professionals are wanting to set you up. It's hard enough. We want to set you up for success so that you don't carry so much debt or destruction to the relationship. And in fact, inside your firm, you've taken a tactic to help with that in terms of how you offer your services for a flat fee. And and I come from the same perspective that there's so much money concern and how much the divorce is going to cost when we're already dividing our assets. This can be a big distraction. How have you looked at how you provide your services and support divorcing families?
2: Boy, we have learned so much over the years, Karen. Um, What we have found to be most effective is is to have a $7,500 fee. And for 95% of our clients, the, the work that we do for them, um, that, that covers everything. Um, it's about 30 hours of work. The only times that we found that we have to really start charging hourly above that is if we end up going to court, which thank goodness, Karen, is very rare.
1: Yeah, very rare.
2: Yeah. And what we found too, is that if someone doesn't use all of those 30 hours, um, we refund them the amount that, that we didn't use. And so, our, you know, if you were to figure it out hourly, um, it's about $250 an hour. You know, we don't really look at it that way, but it's not expensive compared to um, what most people are paying for their legal fees. I know That's here right. in New York, $400 an hour, $600 mm-hmm. an hour, A few lawyers are $1,000 an hour. And, and I in no way question the value of their work because they truly have great value. Um, but what we have found is being more affordable helps people feel more comfortable reaching out to us.
1: Right. We want you, you know? to get the answers. And if you know, this is the flat fee, there's no surprises. It's going to take as long as it takes. We're going to turn over every stone. We're going to dig into every spreadsheet. We're going to do every forecasting. And to have that reassurance, oh, just such a relief. I think it's a beautiful business model that you are offering. It's been great. Just as we wrap up here on The Good Divorce Show today with CEO, founder of nonprofits, podcasts, as well as Francis Financial, remind us where we can find you and all of your colleagues, Stacey, as well as some of these wonderful resources.
2: Great. Yes, you can go to the website, www.francisfinancial.com. When you're there, uh, right on the homepage, you'll see the unveiling, um, the unspoken truth, the Book written specifically for people thinking about and going through divorce. Um, and you can also email me Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y at francisfinancial.com. Um, on the website, you'll see there uh, a link to Financially Ever After, our podcast. And of course, Savvy Ladies, um, great educational content that's SavvyLadies.org. Everything is free of charge. And uh, we have guess we have about 20,000 visitors to our website every single month getting savvy and getting educated. So, you know, I hope that some of the listeners today will do just that.
1: Oh, so encouraging, so insightful. Please take time to look up those resources. Remember, you can always find me, Karen McNenny, your good divorce coach at thegooddivorcecoach.com. And remember, folks, everything will be okay in the
0: end. And if it's not okay, it's
1: not the end.
0: Thanks for listening. Do you have questions or thoughts about this week's episode? Let us know by following the Good Divorce Coach on Facebook and Instagram at Good Divorce Coach and leave a comment and be sure to tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific or listen anytime wherever you get your podcasts.